0: And open a podcast. Pop and open a podcast doc. Hey, everybody, welcome to Coffee with Butterscotch. We are Butterscotch Shenanigans, a three brother video game studio, and this is our podcast. Uh, I'm Seth, I'm Adam, and I'm Sam. And you can find our games at games.bscotch.net. We also have a wonderful community over at forums.bscotch.net. So hop on over there and say hello. And uh, we also have a bunch of questions that we take toward the end of the podcast, which all come from podcast.bscotch.net. So if you want to contribute to the discussion, hop on over there and uh, give us your, give us your two cents worth or your nickels or whatever. Uh, also, before we get started, be aware that this show is not for children or babies or kids. So young people should get off our lawns. Yeah. Get the, get the hell out of here. All of
1: the lawns. Uh okay.
0: So what's been going on since last week? Uh Adam. Yeah. You've been you've
1: been picking up your re- running re- regimen? Re- Regime? Regime? Yeah. Regimen. So uh I mean Sam and Seth have talked at great length about their quest for gains, which is a at quest strength. At, at strength about their quest for gains, and that's something that I have not participated in because I am a weakling, ghost-like human who avoids. He's pretty translucent. Yeah. I don't think
0: that's. I don't think that relates to the fit, the fitness, though. I think although that's just, that's the a fact that I don't of being a not go outside, person.
1: right, yeah. has something to do with it. So I finally decided I needed to get my ass in gear to some extent. So I have now picked up my running game. And I'm now trying to run every day. I'm getting pretty close, so I'm you know, missing like a day a week now instead of every day. Would you say your ass is in first gear? Or what gear is it in? What gear? It's probably it's not in reverse anymore. That's good. And it's probably like you know that moment when you go between neutral and first gear when you fuck it up and like Oh and yeah, the, the engine is grinding. And the clutch is grinding. That's kind of where I am right now, which okay. is I you know, imagine
0: I imagine that it's more like one of those little rider lawnmowers where it has like a rabbit and a turtle <laughs> right. setting.
1: Right. Somewhere around the turtle yeah. mode. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like just under the turtle mode where it hitches every once in a while. When you're running on hills and you come to a stop at the crest of a hill, do you slowly start going backwards, s- <laughs> sliding backwards? And then I start to panic and then I get into an accident. Is and then you me. leap forward and fall. <laughs> I'm forward to a heart a attack, and then that's just the end of it.
0: So all I've gathered here <laughs> is Adam's leg to run on a manual transmission. <laughs> that's that's right. somehow
1: that uh, is an accurate. Yeah,
0: statement. Well, that's that's good though. Fitness is good, you know, because your brain is part of your body. I hear this. What? But... And if you take terrible care of your body, then your brain also sucks. So no brain sucking. Mm-mm. Yeah. Uh, by the way, guys. What? There's some crazy, crazy shit coming up toward the end of this week. What's coming up? The Martian. Oh, uh, yeah. Fuck you. Yes. For those of you guys who don't know about The Martian, uh, it's You'll a book. You'll learn about it. Yeah, it's a book that was written by a gentleman. I assume he's a gentleman uh, named Andy Weir. Yes. And it has a sort question of like mark a, at
1: the end of it as well.
0: Yeah, Andy Weir. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of a sci-fi, uh, it's a hard sci-fi book, I guess, where this man gets stranded on Mars and he has to use his awesome science knowledge to survive for years in a habitat where, it, you know, like a pre-planted habitat on Mars where he, which wasn't meant to last uh, more than a, a couple months. Uh, so it's really super awesome. The book is great. Uh, Adam read the book, recommended it
1: to me. And now it's coming out as a movie. Yeah. on Friday. And so what you should do, everybody listening, if you don't already own Kerbal Space Program, you should buy it right now and then play the crap out of it. And then in your free time, while you're not doing that, you should read The Martian and yep. then go on Friday to actually see The Martian. And then you'll have everything you need to be mentally prepared for the and experience. If
0: you, yeah. And if you finish all those things, go ahead and uh catch up on all the news about the water that was just found on Mars. Oh, shit. That's, yeah. That's yeah. a big deal. Um Mars is, is
1: slightly more moist than previously thought. So I guess that means that there are aliens on Mars. Yes. Pro- probably. Well the the report that I read said that the water is super salty. It's like it's more like Mars tears about the fact that there's no life on it <laughs> than it is Maybe. water. Is it more salt than water? Yes. Okay. I still think, though, something could live in it. It could be. I mean, there are kind of, weird bacteria that can live basically just in slightly moist salt. So probably on Mars, you know, why not? I think what we're going to find
0: is that there's life on probably damn near every planet that has water. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. But the, I don't know. But I guess, I guess it's in a spot where the little rover, as a curiosity that's there right now, can't get over to it because it's on a super steep area well they also they don't want to get over to it yeah because they'll they'll infect it with
1: yeah earth diseases well they're not planning to bring it oh i see because they didn't they didn't clean room it Apparently enough or they don't, yeah they don't uh, because you have to actually bake a drone if you want to make it completely sterile and doing the baking process obviously requires you to blast it with a ton of heat for a very long period of time and so it has to be built completely differently if you're going to do that and so, none of the rovers that have been sent over since, I think, like the first one, uh, were actually baked and sterilized. Really? Yeah. So we've just been seeding life onto Mars, probably repeatedly. on accident. And oh, actually, man. what about there was that one probe that went to Mars that uh, they had a, they had a wrong feet to meters calculation or something. Oh, yeah, they just, just hit it. It just yeah buried itself. That thing must have then sent a huge plume of of bacteria covered dust all over the planet. Probably, probably did. Uh,
0: although, I'm pretty skeptical about this because if we are actually seeding Mars with bacteria, how come there's not monkeys there?
1: Boom! Checkmate. Ha! Checkmate that evolution. Atheist. I don't know, but I hate monkeys. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, obviously, evolution is a lie because there's no monkeys. Okay. So, Scatter Jam coming up. Uh, we talked about this last podcast. The Scatter Jam is a game jam mm-hmm. that is uh, sponsored here in St. Louis. It's a 48-hour event. And we're going to be there. It's next Friday, October 9th. Well, Seth is going to be there by yeah. himself. We're going to be participating. I'm going to be the only Butterscotch who is attending physically uh, the event. But for those of you guys listening, if you're interested, if you're sort of, you know, if you're close enough to make the trip, you should totally do it. And
1: we do. It's at the St. Louis Zoo. Yeah, we do actually have, uh, we already have a member of the, the Butterscotch community coming. Uh, Racing for the Finish is driving up from from the South. Uh, south. the south where is he,
0: where is he? he's in uh,
1: Alabama uh, the yes. south yes Alabama okay
0: that's pretty the south uh,
1: so he's gonna come up and and actually he already got a team with some of the St. Louis people and I, th- I believe they called dibs on him because of he, his, got he got dibs he got dibs <laughs> as soon as he spoke up um, so he will be there so we're already gonna have a little tiny a little tiny butterscotch contingent uh, at the jam so if you're around definitely come up for that because it's a lot of fun. yeah we we want to get more community members in in it. Definitely, and if you're trying to if you're going to come up by yourself, then you should look into the Facebook group to try to find some try to match up with a with a team here before you actually get here. Mm-hmm. That's the STL Game Dev Co-op Facebook yep. group, and there's also
0: uh, stlscatterjam.com. That's the website where it is. So once you get with a team, then you can sign up with your team uh, at that website. So. True Uh, fact. Come come make games with us. It's going to be awesome. And if you don't come, you know, we'll be super sad. But uh, we'll still make a game that you can play afterwards. Mm -hmm. Hopefully. Unless everything goes horribly wrong. Which, you know, it's a game jam. Sometimes it it can. Sometimes shit goes down. Yeah. Worst case scenario, we'll probably
1: have a completed game that is just terrible. Yes. But it'll still probably be a completed game. Almost definitely.
0: Uh, what else is happening? What else has been going on in life? Uh, we've been uh, playing
1: some some games. Yes. Uh, Adam's Fallout Shelter is. Oh yeah, my my. So fa- we talked about this. Uh, well, I don't even know a while ago. Many moons ago. Many moons ago. Fallout Shelter is the the mobile uh Bethesda game where you get to manage a shelter, you know, a nuclear fallout shelter. And as I said at that time, and my opinion has not changed. The game basically uh, nothing new or interesting happens in the game after your first fifteen minutes of gameplay. Oh. Uh, but it's just one of the it's one of those slow time games, right? Where things just level up after a day. Does your first fifteen minutes of gameplay
0: take a week?
1: Uh, no. So you can you can do a lot very quickly, but then once you have stuff going, then it suddenly becomes very slow. Oh, so your first fifteen minutes take fifteen minutes, but after that, fifteen minutes definitely takes like a day. So, oh, mobile games, I know. So as a consequence, I just though this yesterday. Finally, got started getting dwellers, you know, little people who live in your vault. Finally, started getting them maximally leveled up in their special skills. Mm-hmm. So, oh, good lord! Yeah, so now all of a sudden, I can send them out on missions, and they won't—they won't die within a single day. They can actually go out for days at a time, which of course also means and then they die. And then they die. Yeah, I just wait until they die and then I revive them and bring them back. Uh, oh, you can do that? That's that's. Uh, it costs money, but they make more money going out than it costs to revive them. So it's still uh, – Yep. Always a win. It's a useful enterprise.
0: So I guess the lesson learned is uh, the more money you have, the better the healthcare system
1: is for you. Yeah. it's It's a pretty good allegory for life in the United States. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, it's,
0: so life in the United States is a lot like a post-apocalyptic <laughs> wasteland, <laughs> where you have to level up to max and then get rich in order to survive.
1: Yeah, keep get, living. You gotta get get into that positive feedback loop.
0: Cool. And then Sam and I have been playing Burning Crusade, that old WoW thing. Yeah, which I think we're not supposed to talk about it publicly. So we're gonna do that. Uh, it's it's a private WoW server. Where it runs the Burning Crusade, which is the first World of Warcraft expansion. So that's I, I don't know, what do you think, Sam?
1: How does that even work? I have no idea and I don't know how it's still I don't know how it's allowed. I mean It's this server's been going for a few years now yeah.
0: without being
1: shut down or confronted huh. by Blizzard. Right. So But I've been enjoying it a lot because I you know, I have this I've had this itch to scratch, which is sort of highly cooperative uh, rpg based dungeoning essentially and no game I've found in in the last sort of year or two scratched it to the extent that the dungeons in the old burning crusade did and even the current wow don't really do it for me anymore because it's nobody talks and it's super boring so um I've been having a blast man I went in there and just you know, made made some buddies. The dungeon took forever, but that like made it more enjoyable. Um, it was like a bonding experience. Yeah, uh, and because it's a closed server, like you don't have all the cross realm stuff, so you know everybody. And I had I had several moments where uh, on this server you can, because of the low population, you can actually party with the enemy faction in order to form a party to go do these dungeons. And so you can have the enemies in your group, uh, and what that means, of course, is that you could actually technically you could kick them from the group and then kill them if you wanted to. Uh, <laughs> but because... It adds a layer of, of colloquialism. Yeah, but because there's such a small number of people on the server, like, I really wanted to do it, but it's one of those things where, you know, it's it's a small community. So it really... No, I'll come back to... Uh, yeah, it really reinforces uh, <laughs> some positive play. So even... Yeah, well, I mean, you, don't, you don't want a reputation from the other faction as the guy who... Who's a traitor, you know? You know? Yeah. Um, but it's also funny because everybody still has their faction-based... Uh, you know, racisms and stuff. And so you're, <laughs> you get in these groups and everyone's sort of like, you know, uh, chatting. You and, dumb elf. Yeah. Laughing and playing. And then someone shows up late and they're like, oh, tardy as always, just like those fucking elves. Um, yeah, typical, typical dwarf. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> showing up anywhere on time. It's been some pretty funny stuff. I've been enjoying is it. Is there, is there some truth to that where the, the kind of people who select a dwarf as their, as their class are also the kind of people who are lazy? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's probably some it.
0: stereotypes. I mean, there's there are some stereotypes about classes more so than the races. I think I think the races are like the pretty ones. The stereotype is that uh, they tend to be more frequently played by women. Um, and then the uh, let's see, like the elves, the the female elves or whatever. And then the class stereotypes are things like the hunters tend to be idiots, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, which that stereotype comes from them. Like they have a pet that follows them around and the pet has a setting on it where you can either turn it to like aggressive or passive or whatever. And new players as a hunter, they'll just leave their pet on aggressive mode. And then you walk into the dungeon and then suddenly their pet just goes tearing off into the dungeon to God knows where, and then they re they bring their pet back, and it and brings like, like fifty monsters with <laughs> <laughs> uh, them. And they also have all these abilities like multi shot, which just like fire uh, like an array of of arrows or bullets or whatever. And sometimes it just like flies off and hits random groups that you weren't even fighting, and then they come and kill everybody. Uh, yeah, so hunters have a reputation as being kind of kind of dumb. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's true. I played one, so who knows? Yeah,
1: big dummy. Yeah. Might have been true at the time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but of course, like all stereotypes, it's like like ninety eight percent bullshit. Yeah. So you know, what are you gonna do? Uh, but yeah, that's been that's been a lot of it's been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I had to play on this private server because I had to check to see if I used to like the game more or I feel like that because of nostalgia. Right. Or if it actually if I if it was actually in a better state back then. What have you decided? Uh, I think for me it's definitely a a better game back then. Uh, I don't know if that's true for everybody, but I mean, I like to, I like a challenge and I like to work, you know, for my, I like to earn my, uh, my achievements and my accomplishments and stuff. And it definitely has all that. Um, and it's super fun. Uh, otherwise, what else is happening? Edward Snowden. We need to talk about this for just a yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. Edward Snowden started a Twitter account today. Yeah, just, just today. And last we checked, he, he had like 250,000 followers uh just right off the bat and yep. the only account that he's following is the NSA's official <laughs> twitter account which is
1: uh it's such a it's such a big fuck you yeah, to let it. say it is it's <laughs> it hilarious is.
0: it's like he's just like i'm watching you guys just, uh but yeah for, just for, for those of you guys who don't know who edward snowden is because there actually is a pretty significant proportion of people who don't he was sort of branded as a as a traitor for he was a contractor for the National Security Administration and he leaked a whole bunch of information about them basically spying on uh, their own citizens on American citizens
1: yeah well yeah so the NSA was doing a fuck ton of illegal stuff and then Edward Snowden was like I think this is illegal I should tell somebody about it and then he did and then he had to run away to Russia so that he wouldn't be sent to jail for the rest of his life
0: yeah so he doesn't get to come
1: back. But nope. at least he gets to be on Twitter and mock uh, everyone. <laughs> so. I, I was actually, I was really amused by that. But I was, I was maybe even more amused that the NSA has a Twitter account because yeah. they literally they they, <laughs> they watch all of the traffic that exists in the United States. <laughs> so they like they're already following every human. They're following.
0: Yeah, I was I was hoping that when I opened up the Twitter uh, account for the NSA. It would just say following, and then it would have like,
1: like everyone or something,
0: <laughs> like seven billion people <laughs> or something. Because <laughs> you know, it's but yeah, it's probably just for them to. God, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't, I can't conceivably imagine why the NSA would have a Twitter.
1: Well, account. it's it's like anything else, right? They want to try to put some sort of positive, positive uh, front facing image out. But um, I yeah, just, I don't, I don't think they have one of those, <laughs> so it just doesn't. Yeah, you can't
0: you can't tweet your way out of. <laughs> Out of what they're what they've got themselves into. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So the fact. past the past week, then, uh, other than you know just kind of general general life news and stuff, we've been you know we've been jamming on Crashlands, which is coming swimmingly. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, it is. Adam, yeah. So Adam and Sam have been working on the bog and the tundra story through the Crashlands creator. So
1: well, what's Sam go, what's has been going mostly on with that? working on? Bosses. Bowses. Yeah. Bouses. Yeah. I got uh, one we're just codenaming The Trickster for now. Uh, that's basically going to be a bullet hell boss fight. Uh, so prepare your your fingers for some frantic tapping during that. And then the one I just uh, started working on today is called Tuma. 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 This is my way of, I guess, letting everybody murder cancer. So... Mm-hmm. Tumas. Yeah, this is the big fuck you to cancer. Yeah, it's a big uh, tumor-like boss. Well, this whole
0: game is, really. But this one isn't particularly... This one's a uh, little more on the nose. Transparent yeah, one. <laughs> a more obvious.
1: Um, so he's going to be really fun. So I just finished him, and I believe uh, Adam said, that thing is, what, wonderfully disgusting? Or grossly wonderful? Grunderful? I don't know. There was some Grunderful or some oh, word I can't combination... I anymore. Uh, that was like that. Yeah. So... Um, it's going to be a it's, lot of fun, I'll be finishing. That I'm not next sure time. if it's the grossest thing you ever made. I don't think it's the gross. It certainly is gross, it's, but it's very gross. And I'm also so another
0: cool kind of thing that we're doing with this particular boss, with the with the tumor boss, is it, it by itself doesn't actually do a whole lot. It's like a stationary thing, and it keeps it keeps summoning all these disgusting minions that you have to try to deal with. Uh, so, and then it'll do all kinds of things. Like if you get caught by these minions, you can get stunned or frozen or poisoned or whatever. Uh, so it has a lot of things that sort of mess with you as a character and all throughout it is healing itself slowly. It just slowly regenerates health forever. So you have to try to deal with the minions quickly and, and dodge stuff while, you know, chipping away at its health. Cause if you step away from it for too long, uh, then it'll, it'll bring itself right back again.
1: Do any of its minions just like... Hide out somewhere, and if you don't, if you kill the main boss, but not its minion, well, its minion just grow back into the boss. Again? <laughs> that would be too <laughs> too horrible, I think. Yeah,
0: we're not we're not
1: going uh, a re- real life cancer. Yeah.
0: But <laughs> it to be that's, k- that almost sounds like an entirely separate game. Yeah,
1: it must be killable because Ooh, that's it what it's like Yeah,
0: yeah. So that so that's pretty. Pretty freaking sweet. Yes,
1: it'll be a lot of fun. And uh, Seth, what have you been working on on Crashlands? I don't even know. I've been I've
0: been doing all kinds of technical stuff. Oh yeah, um, trying
1: to get the map better and all yeah, fixing the last of the weird complications that. Exist. Yeah, there's
0: there's a just a smattering of things that we want to make sure are just really in a good spot before we start beta, um, including some kind of weird stuff like uh, like when you use the Crashlands creator you have the option to publish things to a beta channel so you can test them or publish them for release for general public consumption. And uh, we we just needed to get that set up properly so that we can actually you know manage those two separate channels. And so that's something that we worked on today. And that way we can make changes to the game, test them out, make sure that they're good before everybody plays them in the beta.
1: And everybody else is going to do that too once we publish the Crashlands
0: Creator. Yeah. And then we're adding the ability for, for people to be listed as testers on a campaign. So you can recruit people to help you develop a campaign by giving you feedback and, and playing it and being testers for you without them actually being an author of the campaign and then being able to make changes themselves. So lots and lots of good, good stuff. Uh, but it's just been, you know, it hasn't been a ton of game content kinds of things. True. Uh, but it all, it has to be done. So. It is, but then starting, I think tomorrow, I get to start working on all these bosses that Sam has been, yeah, has been working on.
1: Yeah, so the all the bog bosses will be done either tonight or tomorrow morning, uh, and then it's tundra, the three tundra bosses, and then all of the art for the game is done, and then the game's done, and then and then Ish. Seth doesn't have to plug <laughs> it in. It's just magic, and they're it. Yeah,
0: but seriously, we are we are six six bosses away from uh, from beta. Well, we're
1: only four bosses away. Well, Art six wise. bosses away and uh, rewriting of the... And a bog and tundra, and tundra story. Yeah.
0: Uh, but yeah, game content-wise, we are almost there. Oh, Seth, so, why, don't you, uh,
1: why don't you tell us about what your your friend who came to visit had to say?
0: Yes. So, I have a, my best friend from high school slash college. We went to the same college. Uh, he and his wife came and visited this weekend, and... Uh, as, as kind of happens, I think with, you know, college friends or whatever, we, we don't talk that often, maybe every few months or so we just chat on the phone. Uh, so he hasn't really been kept too apprised of what it is that we've been working on with Crashlands. So, uh, so we were chatting and stuff and, and he asked if he could see the game that we've been working on and I said, sure. And he didn't know anything about it. So, so I thought I'll just, you know, take 10 minutes and just kind of show him, uh, the concept. I mean, whenever, whenever I show somebody, Quadrupus rampage or towel fight or you know any of our other games uh um, that's all it takes, right like we just sit down for five minutes and I'm just like, yeah, so this is the the gist of it, like you just beat these enemies with this hammer or whatever, yeah, because um, the game is one
1: mechanic, and so that's once you see it, you know how it works yeah, so
0: I was like, yeah, we'll just sit down and I'll just kind of show them the general concept of crashlands and uh and then we'll that'll be it, so we sit down and it, it was ser- it was seriously, I think it was almost an hour and a half. That we sat there, and I kept like about every two minutes, some new thing would pop up in the game that I would be explaining, like some new gameplay mechanic or new piece of content, or uh, it just—I don't know—it just it. When we've been working on something for so long and being this close to it, it doesn't really sink in uh, just how astronomically fucking huge it is yeah. until you sit down with somebody who's never seen it before. And then you're trying to explain the whole, you know, every single working part to them. And then, of course, we had to go do some other stuff, and there were still a whole bunch of things that I hadn't even gotten to yet. Um, even though I was using the developer hotkeys and like cheating and giving myself more powerful armor and, you know, all that, all that stuff. Uh, so that was kind of a, kind of a cool thing. It makes it feel, it feels good because we've been working on this for so long. You know, it feels good that there's more than five minutes of, <laughs> stuff
1: it. to show somebody. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I'm gonna have uh, I'm gonna have Diana play it a bit this weekend, um, mm. and get a sort of uh, sort of general feel for somebody who's pretty much new to it, as far as uh, how they feel about the whole thing.
0: I will report yeah. back. Sounds good. Excellent. Um, and yeah, so we will probably have a a beta um, timeline announcement coming. In the near future, because we are getting so damn close. So
1: Yeah, it's basically, I mean, the announcement will come in the next, uh, what, week or two or so? Yep. Um, yeah, the, the one thing that we, so, I mean, like they've been talking about with the, the story and the bosses are, are really what's left, plus a few of these sort of technical hurdles. Um, but the uh, bosses will be done soon. I've been working on the Bog story, uh, which a lot of that has been basically trying to so Sam had put together the, the draft of the thing and, and had an idea for how the Brubus worked. That's the, that's the alien race. Yeah, that the lives Brubus, in the yeah, it's the sentient race that lives in the bar.
0: Although as Keaton, my friend pointed out, uh, we, we are the aliens. The Brubus yes. are not aliens. Yeah. <laughs> True. That's right. Relative relative to you. Uh, relative to you they're aliens, but they Correct. live here.
1: Uh, so I guess the creatures that live in the bog who are sentient and, and so they provide story content and quests and that kind of stuff. So Sam had written – had drafted that story, which takes you from the end of the savannah to the tundra and you know lays out all the key points and stuff. And he was developing all the ideas and the motivations and stuff as he went. So by the time he got to the end, he had sort of an idea of how the thing worked. Um, and that's, of course, you know how people tend to write stuff and then require a rewrite. But Sam's got other shit to do, so now I'm doing the rewrite, which is kind of weird to, to come into somebody else's draft and, and then, then rewrite it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that's what I've been doing, uh, which has actually been a lot of fun, but also it's it's very hard to get into.
0: Well, I think it's, it's, it's lighter mental work than what you normally do because of, I think, the faster feedback loop. It is, right? but it's actually – in a lot of ways, it's harder yeah. because, because... – Well, you have to do creative work and sort of programming stuff at the same – time right like you gotta come up with characters and and,
1: well right but it unlike with like with programming there's there's a framework of rules of of just things that you're allowed to do and once once you know those rules then you're you're very actually quite limited in in how you can go about solving a problem and in fact how many things you really need to know in order to solve it in the first place right because like you need to know some math and some basic computer structures and that's the end of it. But with like a with a story where we have to like we have to be thinking about the history of the of the world that we've invented, and try to understand you know the the species that we've created and the history and the context of the other games, try to remember what every damn other character has said about stuff so that you don't <laughs> so that you don't yeah. contradict yourself later on. You know, I mean, all this kind of stuff. That all of a sudden it becomes this really complicated web. Only it's not. It's not a web where you can just like know because you know the rules what some, what some behavior is supposed to be like. You actually have to then go look it up, you know. So it's like it's a lot of, uh, a lot of just kind of constant moving around this web trying to figure out how everything fits into place while you're also editing the whole thing constantly. So it's very – well. I don't know. I find it much more difficult than programming.
0: Well, what, so one pretty cool – so I don't get to see the story. Um, I haven't yeah. been writing it at all. And so I don't know what the story is. Detail to detail. (laughs) So uh, when I was playing with Keaton, so my friend was watching me play and I was wandering around in the savannah and I come across this, uh, I hear it's called some kind of like stony hill thing or whatever. And it was like this little, it was like a ruin made of stone stuff. And there's this winding little passageway and I went into it and there was a chest that was, sort of blocked off in a, in a room by a little moat. And I was like, Oh shit. If I, Oh, I don't, I don't have any floors. Cause I, you know, I figured if I had some floors, I could place a little bridge there and get across to the chest. Uh, but I didn't have any with me. And so as I'm saying this, uh, my friend was like, wait, what are you talking about? You, you know you knew about this right and I was like no I've never <laughs> seen, I've
1: never seen this before <laughs> uh,
0: I've never seen a lot of this stuff before Well then because so. the
1: creator then we can <laughs> any one of us can just add something to the game and then everybody else the next time they're around that area will then see it yeah um, and so every once in a while we'll like we'll pop open in the game and walk away from the center a little bit and there's just like this crazy thing over there and it's because Seth is testing a boss fight or something so he just had to go place it in the world. Uh, yes <laughs> so we just all see it all of a sudden and we're like what the hell is this yeah so
0: thing? stay away from that uh, or you'll get crushed so yeah so it's it's just really cool because of it's it's so compartmentalized that you know we each get to get surprised by things that are happening in the game actually uh which is a pretty fun thing mm-hmm. but uh so that kind of brings us down to you know we'll, we'll be wrapping this up then we'll be doing the beta and then we got to figure out when to launch yeah which is
1: we it might be a problem, but we don't know. So this is a this is a delicate thing, as it probably turns out. Um, and it's a thing we've gotten a little more tuned into since our first launch, which was just on like a Tuesday night, randomly, um, in the middle of June <laughs> or something, or in the middle of February. Uh, yeah, it turns out it really matters when you put the game in front of people. And we're coming into basically the sort of high video game launch season, which is... Uh, November through or November December. Um, and the issue is basically that all of the AAA studios wait and launch all their games about a month or two before the holiday season. Um, and the reason why this is an issue is not necessarily that we are competing with them. We don't. I, I don't think any of us pretend to be placing Crashlands next to uh, Fallout Four. Yeah, or Call of Duty or something. You know, I, well, uh, yeah. I'm going
0: to say it's going to be. <laughs> it's going to blow them out.
1: So we, like, we're not worried about competing with them because we're not. It's not the same product. Uh, So we're we're pretty sure our audience will still enjoy it, you know, regardless of the time. But the issue is actually um, one of distribution, which is that there's only a certain number of these sort of feature spots available. And if all of the big guys are launching, the big guys are the ones that are going to get the feature spots. Um, Guaranteed. Guaranteed. So we're kind of – we're looking at this and there's – I mean, there's not really anything we can do about it because the only other option is basically to wait until something like February – when all this stuff has died down and then launch. But of course we're an indie studio. We don't have, we don't have four months to just sit around after this thing's done. And plus it's been two years and we're done, you know, we're ready to go. Um, So we're going to try to make the best of it, I think, and then figure out a strategy to, you know, make the game very shareable so that people can, you know, word of mouth it for us as well in case.
0: Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll need to find it. We'll need to find a time. (coughs) And somehow, even though we're entering the, the most competitive season we're gonna to need to find a, a time where other people aren't really launching very much stuff
1: yeah so it's basically uh, going to be once the game is done we're gonna to have to look ahead uh you know, in the weeks the weeks following and just try to find whatever week seems to be the some sort of sweet, sweet one and the problem of course <laughs> right. is that people some people don't don't announce their launch dates until uh, a week before and so we could yeah. pick one but, that looks relatively free and then have true something else arrive on but it is the case that AAA studios you you tend to know the launch dates of all those that's true they do we'll we'll know we'll know about the really big ones that we're competing against um and and it's the the sort of the common wisdom uh for indies is that this is a terrible time to launch so supposedly there will also be less competition with indies at the same time i don't know if any of that's true i'm actually i downloaded a bunch of data earlier today from steam spy and I'm in the process of, of cleaning it up so that we can do some statistics and to actually find out if if a game claims to be an indie game versus games that come from from AAA publishers. Is there actually a, so first of all, is there a difference there a in when things are dip? launched? Is, that your yeah, is, is it really true that most AAA games are launched in you know the end of the year? I yeah, think there's, it probably is. And there's then, other considerations, too, because because you can end
0: up with a self-fulfilling prophecy on this. Right, So yeah. if, if you are a, an indie studio who makes a game and you're serious about launching it, um, then you're going to try to figure out what the best launch strategy is. And if you believe the conventional wisdom. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: No, so it's, it's not a question. So, so there are a few things just to see if indies believe it, right? Because there are, there are many, many indie games who so can actually look at the distribution of, of when they launch over the year. Well, no. So, no. so
0: all, all I was saying was you know, if, if you as a, as a studio, you put a lot of resources and time and you made a good game and you're taking the launch seriously and you believe the hype about whether you should launch in the fall or not you know uh then you're going to not launch it in the fall true right? fact. which means which means you're going to end up with a, with games that are better or you know uh, have been made to a higher quality are just not going to launch in the fall which means that the games that do launch in the fall are going to have lower sales cuz they're just not
1: as good well so that's an interesting hypothesis and fortunately we can test it using statistics <laughs> let's do it <laughs> so but yeah i mean, i've got the data um and, and yeah i mean you're absolutely right it's it's a, there's a lot of confounding factors because even if it is true which is the first thing that i want to find out right uh even if it is true that indie games launched at the end of the year underperform relative to indie games launched at other parts of the year then as seth just said there's a perfectly good explanation for that uh coming from a self-fulfilling prophecy because that's actually the explanation probably for all kinds of stuff um, but who knows? So I'm actually I'm really excited about seeing what it looks like, uh, which probably then we'll just give you an update next week and say what we found out. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but it it kind of comes back to our general philosophy as a studio, which is don't listen to people. <laughs> no, <laughs> everybody's well, <laughs> saying this, but we need to we need to actually check the data.
1: Yeah, well, it's one of those it's one of those things. I was uh, this is the conventional wisdom. I was googling around today to try to figure out where it comes from and to see if there was anybody who actually you know buckled down and and came up with actual statistics on it. Cause you know, there's, there's enough data around that you could do it and I couldn't find anything. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's actually see a lot of testing. opinions about it,
0: but no numbers.
1: Yeah. And it, and it looks like there are a few and, and, and very well written and well reasoned articles uh, out there about this idea claiming that, that this launch window uh, will dramatically impact your, your success rate and all that kind of stuff. And it may very well be true, but it just turns out that it's, it's only based on what, you know, the, the sort of loose, or, or, I guess, reasonable logic with reasonable assumptions, but none of it has been tested.
0: Well, yeah, it's, and it's also, it's not directly testable. You know, you right. can't launch the same game in two different launch windows and see yeah. how it does, you know. It Correct. Just, you can experiment. Each, each game will, is
1: unique. It'll just be a field distribution analysis. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But, but it'd be cool because if the distribution shows that there's no real difference, um, then all of a sudden that's interesting
0: yeah i mean what if what if we find the other way you know like what if we find that it's actually
1: better to launch in that window yeah no matter who you are maybe you know right which also makes sense because it's also a selling season right yeah that's when everybody's buying stuff people are buying gifts for each other and yeah we um, talk about this problem in uh in psychology a lot because the the one of the main powers that a human being possesses is is creating stories about things that make sense or that seem to make sense And so you can have the same uh, set of data in front of you and draw equally compelling conclusions that are in opposition to one another. Uh, So in this case, it's going to come down to actually looking looking at the data in such a way that we can actually figure out what the truth is. This is actually the basis of the United States legal system. Right. Innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. Well, not that part. You present the evidence to a jury. Yeah. And and each
0: person gets to tell a story about it. And <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and, the and, it, and it literally to to is a consensus.
1: story. Yeah, and and the the sort of the goal there is to take the same the same data and, and literally tell opposing stories, and that's, that's what every you know mm-hmm. legal shenanigans, are.
0: which uh, which kind of brings me to tooting our own horn here. But you should, uh, if you're interested in this kind of a thing, you should watch our talk that we gave at Pixel Pop about starting a studio because we do talk in the beginning about this idea of uh, trust no one, you know, don't listen to what people are saying about stuff. Try to figure out their rationale and then, you know, dig into it and, and see if it actually does make any sense. Because yeah. a lot of times like Sam was saying, somebody can make a perfectly well-reasoned argument for something to be true, and you could turn around and make an, an even better argument or a, you know, a perfectly also reasonable argument. For it to be exactly the opposite. So yeah. Uh, so we'll do some we'll do some digging on that and we'll we'll update next week. Yeah, uh, that sounds good. Yeah, so okay, so we got about probably twenty minutes or so left uh to hit some questions, which again, these questions are submitted by players and fans and stuff, and they come from podcast.bscotch.net. So if you want to Vote for other questions to be, uh, to be covered on the podcast or just ask your own questions. Head on over there, uh, and, and go for it. Again, that's podcast.bscotch.net. So our first two questions are the same question, pretty much, uh, both from Little Gamer and Spectral Hunt. And it's how we came up with the name Butterscotch Shenanigans. Spectral Hunt is specifically concerned about the butterscotch part. (laughs) I guess the shenanigans part is
1: self-explanatory. Apparent. Yeah. sort of. We all thought that we had covered this on the podcast at some point, but then we couldn't find it anywhere. I think it's because this we get asked this question a lot. It's a fair question.
0: It's a fair question
1: because it's a weird company name. So here's, I guess, here's the answer. Uh, We were all riding in a car together this one time, and the reason that's important is because we usually don't get to be physically in the same place, uh, as is evidenced currently by Adam being in in Dallas, Texas. So we had this one rare... Uh, like four-hour car ride together and we were also all crammed in the back seat of the car and and my
0: father-in-law was in the front seat
1: yeah and at the time we were (laughs) uh, trying to figure out how to create an organization such that each of us has a lot of different interests and that we could sort of cover everything that we might want to do underneath one particular company umbrella for the purposes of not having to do it individually uh, so that's actually where the shenanigans part came from because the shenanigans was a big enough term to encompass essentially any activity we could possibly think of.
0: Yeah, we yeah. weren't going to call it like butterscotch entertainment or butterscotch
1: yeah. studios. Yeah, well, because at this time I was thinking about making, you know, science software and that kind of stuff, which didn't fall under entertainment. Mm-hmm. And, and Sam and I were already working in games at the time. And so the the butterscotch part actually, uh, maybe to the, to the disappointment of some... Is was only chosen because of how it sounds when put together. Yeah. Shenanigans. Uh We were in the car for like, <laughs> like I said, we are in the car for like four hours together, and we're all just sort of jumping names back and forth. And we, you know, we got the shenanigans part early, and then we we're like, "That's not enough." So we need something to put in front of it. And you know, we tried our last name, we tried a bunch of other stuff, and then it sort of just became this free association game. And someone had said butterscotch, and saying butterscotch shenanigans for some reason just felt Right, it just felt good.
0: I think it's um, also it's also kind of it's good that both words ended up being almost the exact same length. Like when you put them on top of each other or something, you know, it
1: makes a good. Yeah, it was logo. good. Good for design purposes. It just, it just purposes. felt
0: good to have those two words
1: together. Yeah, it felt fun too. You know, it's a fun sounding thing. So yeah, well, it's
0: basically like an ice cream or candy flavor, mm-hmm. you know, which is like you know, it's kind of got that that childlike whim whimsy, whimsy. to it. Uh, yeah. yeah, like if we called it like like Death Slasher shenanigans or something, <laughs> then we'd probably end up with a very different vibe. Well probably true. A lot
1: of game studios take this approach where they're like, uh what did the the Gears of War Studio just renamed itself recently to like the Collective or something? <laughs> you know. Um and they're like everybody's just so serious. serious yeah. Everybody's yeah. just so serious all the time they're like uh, you know, Serious Explosions Entertainment Studio for games. <laughs> right. Serious Explosion. Actually, that sounds like a joke name. Serious Explosion. Ironic. <laughs> um, serious Explosions Game Studio. So we figured company. the only way to stick out is actually to not compete. So, yeah, to, yeah that's we right. Didn't. To take ourselves not seriously. Yeah. And yeah. also, it's
0: kind of an interesting side note to that. We, we originally had a purely graphical logo that was just an image and we started putting it on a whole bunch of stuff but anyway we, and we had then we had the word butterscotch shenanigans super tiny underneath it and uh, we got so many more comments about the name of the company than we did about the logo the yeah. graphical logo that we just decided to drop the graphic entirely and just just put the name on everything um so, I mean, it works, though. I mean, I, I, we walk around with our Butterscotch Shenanigans shirts, and, you know, if I go to the grocery store, if I'm going through the line at the airport, you know, whatever, somebody asks me what it means Yeah, every, I mean, every single time, because it's guaranteed. just such a crazy combination of words that uh, – and it's like a black shirt with these bright, vibrant colors on it, you know. Uh, it's just a very friendly thing.
1: Well, it's very friendly, and there's just no way to know what it is. Yes. Which so. so you, you <laughs> so.
0: think would be a downside, but no yeah you, apparently you it's
1: would. all positive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And um, and the other plus is that the the company name is so long and our email address has used the whole company name that people who are incapable of spelling can't email us. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. It's a great filter. <laughs> Which does It's sort of a good. it's a little test, a little spelling test. Well, but there's also the
1: the searchability, us. right? Is we want to, we always want to make sure that things that we produce are unique enough, but still things that you can kind of remember that that we get sort of automatic high search rankings just because of that.
0: Yeah, and I think if, if you, you I think if you if you search for butterscotch on Google, I think we're on. Are we on page two now? Uh, I'm gonna try it. Let's butterscotch. Do it. Let's see what we get. Butterscotch. Uh, let's Google see. butterscotch. Oh no, we're on the front page. Out, yeah, of not, we're just like, out of 9.8 million butterscotch articles. We are in the top about 10 results. Yeah. Uh so that's pretty that's pretty cool. Yeah, but so pretty, pretty soon people will <laughs> forget about the flavor and yeah. just start associating. Well, I mean the, I the, mean, the other
1: interesting, I mean that's actually why we changed we talked about it a couple weeks ago I think. We changed the name of the villain in Crashlands from Q, the single letter Q, to Hugo Duco because yes. that literally does not exist in the entire universe. And so yep. now if somebody searches for it, they're going to find our our villain.
0: And now if you search for Hugo Duco, you only find stuff about Crashlands. So we are in good shape. It's all about that. It's all about
1: that Goog. Yeah, we do have one problem though. What's that? Which is that Crashlands. If you if you Google it, oh yeah, uh, you do see airplanes crash. <laughs> <It's a lot. laughs> all, all of the news articles. <laughs> so like the top ser- the top result is is our game because Crashlands is a single word, is not a thing that's being used for uh, anything popular right now. So so you do find us at the top, which is great. But in, at least in, on on Google search. You know they have the top result, and they have news related to your search term right below that, and all of the news articles are are plane crash. Pretty really. horrifying. Yeah, I mean it definitely comes and it comes and goes because plane crashes aren't actually all that common, and most of the ones that do happen are little tiny ones, and nobody gets really hurt and everything else. This kind of uh, this kind of but, makes me
0: think about the what was that game Spider? This game called Spider. What was it just called Spider? Uh, by isn't that right, Sam? I have no idea what you're talking about. The game by t- Tiger <laughs>
1: Style, I think? No, uh, it's, it's, a game. it's not called Spider. It's, called, uh, it's got some long name.
0: Oh, okay. It's got Ooh. a long name. That would be a rough rough game title. Hard to market. Yeah. People Google yeah. it and they just have to look at pictures of spiders.
1: Well, so, yeah. I mean, an example of a terrible name choice that we made would be Roid Rage. Yes. The yeah. The game Roid Rage. Because that's Cause such then you just get a common term.
0: people pumping steroids. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, you know, yeah. learn from our mistakes. So name, names matter. Uh, but so far, Butterscotch Shenanigans has been, has been a good, gu- a good one for us. We also just sent in a trademark for that. So, well, oh, yeah. well, we'll have a little well, TM or a little R or whatever the, I don't know how it works. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> I a think, I legal. think,
1: uh, actually, yeah, what is the, it's a legal runes. It protects I, us. I think TM
0: is like you've, you've submitted your trademark stuff or something. And then the R is like it's officially
1: registered. I don't. So it's it's kind of uh, like patent pending versus putting the actual. patent I guess on I made that up. I don't. I have no <laughs> clue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: just guessing. I'm throwing darts here in the Dirk. Uh. All right. So, uh, little gamer asked. So he got he got two questions at the top this week. Yeah. Uh. So nice good, work. Good for him or her. Uh. So little gamer asks: Is there going to be multiplayer in Crashlands?
1: Yeah, and this question came up on the forums pretty recently. It comes up every damn place, and, <laughs> and sort of, sort of out of habit, we all want to—the three of us—want to immediately delete it whenever we see it somewhere because uh, it, it just happens so often. Well, yeah,
0: it's so we, the the best phrasing that I saw of this question was in the forums when somebody just asked, "Why would it be so hard?" Yeah. To just
1: to just add multiplayer, just which crash brings it. us back to our joke that we've talked about in the past of just do this because anytime somebody asks you to do that, they have no idea how how hard yeah. it's going to be.
0: Um, to so play. yeah, so I think you know our our answer is you can find it in the forums, but kind of in a nutshell, it's basically in a single player game making an interaction between two things is very simple. It just comes down to like if the player hits a hits a tree, then you just need to like. As they hit the tree, you know, the code exists on the single player and the tree knows that it's been hit because they're both right there on the same, like running on the same machine and everything. Um, and you that's it. Like it's simple. So you just decrement the tree's HP or whatever you're doing and no problem. But as soon as you're doing multiplayer, then you have two separate versions of the game running on two different devices and they both need to see the same thing. And so when I hit a tree on my end... Uh, if you then hit that same tree after me, then its HP needs to be synchronized. But also, where I'm standing needs to be synchronized, so my character needs to be in the correct spot on both. Um, and there's there's just a whole there's – ex- there's probably, I don't know, maybe 10 layers of things that need to be done for every interaction.
1: And even that isn't so bad. It gets compounded w- – way further yet by the fact that not only are you communicating between these two versions of the game uh, which introduces a whole suite of issues but that that communication is slow yep on on the time scale because a game you know is operating on the microsecond to millisecond time scale and a, a connection between computers over the internet is on the tens of milliseconds to even longer time scales, So it's like, it's literally a hundredfold or more difference in speed. If there's lag, and, there's also people playing on
0: 4G or 3G connections. Yeah. So there's there's lag of varying,
1: of varying duration, and then you actually never, and you, you can't count on a piece of data that you send coming back to you. And so when you don't get information about what the other player's doing, that either means the player didn't do anything, or that they did and you didn't get that information and so now all of a sudden you have to start planning for every possible contingency of of you actually just missing information yeah and so then we have it becomes very
0: hard yeah and then there, of course the final thing is just general design questions um things like uh, so we have items that you can use to heal yourself well now should you be able to heal your friend so that means we have to design a new feature for that you know to introduce that teamwork element there's also things like it's a game about harvesting and collecting things. So if you travel together, uh, you actually sort of reduce the speed at which you pro- can progress through the game because you'll be taking each other's resources from each yeah, other. Yeah, you're
1: competing with each other. Yeah.
0: Um, and yeah, there's there's a whole just a whole smattering of design problems that get introduced by multiplayer, and also things like uh, it's also it's a story-driven game. So there's a big questing system and stuff. Does it, so? Does everybody have their own? Or is it like a shared quest line? Uh, I don't know. It's just – there's a whole bunch of stuff.
1: Yeah. So the the short answer then, given all that stuff, is that it would totally be possible to turn Crashlands into a multiplayer game. But doing that – It would probably take a year. It would take us probably minimum six months, more likely a year, probably longer than that. Uh, So I guess the
0: question is do you want Crashlands in 2017
1: or do you you want it – Or do you want it soon? Very soon. Uh, and, th- and that's basically where we fell on the question, which was, uh, to us, because of what Crashlands has become with the creator and with, with the story-driven aspect, uh, it is complete and and really good as a single-player game. And it doesn't need – like multiplayer would be cool, but would actually it would effectively be a different game at that point. And so then we might as well just make a different game that yeah. is multiplayer and is designed that way from the ground up. So instead of having to spend a year trying to hack Crashlands into a multiplayer game – we just make something that already is that.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think, yeah, to top it off, we've learned so much from developing Crashlands, and our skills have progressed so much. Uh, I mean, Sam's art has changed pretty dramatically throughout the course of Crashlands. Yeah. But he still has to make art that looks like it did when he started to keep it consistent. Um, so I think if it does come to doing multiplayer stuff, like Adam was saying, we'd much, just much prefer to make an entirely new game so that we can sort of flex our creativity some more and execute some of our new skills that we've developed and, and just do a, just a totally new idea in general, which is very rejuvenating. Um, yeah. Okay, so uh, we get time for one last question, and this question comes from Ulner Evern, Evern. Will extreme sloth cycling also be a part of your universe, and
1: was it planned to be a part of it before Crashlands? So you can, you, in the previous screenshots and things of Crashlands, I think maybe even in the beta or in the launch trailer, sorry, the gameplay trailer number one, um, the planet in the background, there's two celestial entities behind the planet that you're landing on. Uh, One of them is a moon and the other one is, uh, a different planet that has what appears to be a massive slice of lava running through it, um, and that was originally intended, actually, to be the place where the sawsucking takes place. So we had sort of shoehorned that in at the end when we realized, as we were planning the story for for Crashlands, that we wanted to wrap all of our stuff into a single coherent universe. So, so it will be a part of the universe. Uh, it was not planned to be that way, but nothing really is. So, no, we just make stuff up and then we retcon it viciously back into the actual. <laughs> Lore. yeah
0: yeah and i think it's also the case that uh, extreme sloth cycling it was a very amorphous game concept when back when we were actually working on it um and so it's the extreme sloth cycling that actually ends up getting into your hands as a player whenever that happens uh is going to be pretty different than what you've seen in our like in our alpha video from back in what was that 2013 uh, it's a while ago yeah yeah uh, well, and, and it'll
1: also, ago. and a lot of those differences will be in making it coherent with the with the universe that we're creating, sort of starting with Crashlands. That where Crashlands ties everything together, and and provides a point where we can just integrate all these stories, so that now when we make new games, we can sort of from the very top make sure that it fits into the universe in a in a way that's that's interesting.
0: Yeah, and artistically, it's gonna look so much better than it did too. Yeah, because Sam has how many things have you made for Crashlands now?
1: God, I don't know. Like, well, <laughs> <or> probably <laughs> a couple I, thousand at this point.
0: Yeah, I, I think, know. I think right now we have something like 1,500 unique sprites in Crashlands. And each of those, some of them have up to like 30 something sub images, which are different frames of animation and, and things like that. So, um, we're talking, I don't know, several thousand unique works of art for Crashlands so far. Yeah, I made a lot so, of stuff. As you so can imagine, nuts. if you make a few thousand pieces of art, your art improves a little bit. Just a little bit. Little about bit. about by point three. Mm-hmm. So it's a long road. Yeah. So extreme saw cycling is going to be point three better looking than crashlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could take my word for it because I'm not the one who has to do the art. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, you guys. Well, thank you for listening. This has been Coffee with. Butterscotch. And uh, again, if you want to uh, check out our games, they're over at games.bscotch.net. And our community is at forums.bscotch.net. So we'll, we always put up a post about the each podcast episode each week. So if you want to discuss any of the stuff that we've talked about here, ask any further questions, uh, hop on over to forums.bscotch.net and say hello. And uh, all the questions that you just heard come from podcast.bscotch.net. So if you want to ask and get involved in the conversation for next week, then hop in there and uh, ask us some questions. And otherwise, we will see you next week. See ya. Peace. Bye.